Um, Colossians chapter number 3, and we're going to dive right in. Just want to be a blessing to you. I, Kenya, I think that's you all the way back there. It's good to see you, and I love you, my brother. Um, good to see you, my friend. And uh, it's always good to be here. Steve is, uh, and I mean this with everything inside of me, number one, he's, he's one of my best friends in the world. And I love him, and I'm thankful for your preacher. And I think you know this. You've been given a, a gift from God here at Bible Baptist Church. You have a jewel, a, uh, a humble man, a Bible preacher, a man that loves you, that prays for you, and uh, I'm honored to be his friend, and I hope you're honored to have him as your pastor, and he is such a blessing, and I'm so thankful for the opportunity once again to be here. Colossians chapter number 3, let's look at verses 1 through 4 this evening. And I just want to try to encourage you a little bit tonight, give you something that I shared with our church that I hope can be a blessing to you. Colossians chapter number 3, look at verse number 1. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on the things on the earth. Man, that changed our lives right there, wouldn't it? For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Verse number 4. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with Him in glory. Let's pray tonight. Father, we love You, and God, we do thank You for Your Word tonight. Lord, we thank You that it's always right on time. Lord, I thank You for the sweet Spirit in this place already tonight. Lord, I pray that we'll never take nights and moments like we've already experienced tonight for granted. Lord, where your spirit is, there's liberty. And Lord, there sure is good liberty here tonight already. Lord, I thank you that we have a reason to sing the goodness of God. Lord, you've been so good to us. Lord, I think about just a few years ago preaching in a lunchroom right down the road here. Lord, as a fire had happened. And God, how you've just worked in this place and you provided this property. And Lord, you've provided people. And Lord, you've done, Lord, you've done a miracle already here. Lord, you've already done something so big that only you can get the credit, and we thank you for that. Lord, we thank you for your hand on this place and on this pastor and on these people. Lord, I pray that you'd bless your word as it's preached tonight. God, I pray that you'd help me to decrease so that you can increase. God, I pray that your name would be exalted tonight and you'd be uplifted. Lord, I pray that you would encourage those that are discouraged. Lord, I pray if someone doesn't know you that you would draw them to yourself. God, we come tonight, Lord, once again, not to hear from a man, Father, but to hear from you. Lord, speak to us like only you can. And God, will give you the glory. In your precious and your holy name we pray. Amen. As we approach this text tonight, if you know your Bible, you understand that the book of Colossians is a letter that's been written to the church at Colossae. Paul, at this moment, is penning this letter, is sitting in a Roman prison cell. He's never been to the town of Colossae before. A man named Epaphras, who had been saved by the grace of God under Paul's ministry, uh, had, had gone back home to Colossae and started a church there. And they're seeing revival. They're seeing some great things happen. There's a town about nine miles from Colossae called Laodicea. This town of Laodicea also had a church. And it had begun to see some corruption slip in already, some problems slip in, some false doctrine slip in, some uh, what we would call Gnosticism and also legalism. And Paul was concerned that that Gnosticism and that legalism that had already begun to affect the church at Laodicea would somehow make its way nine miles down to this church that's in Colossae, this young church and this, this good church, this church that is doing a lot for the Lord. Paul has never been to 
Colossae and he begins in his heart as he's sitting in this prison cell. It's amazing. He's concerned about this church that he's never been to. He begins to pin this letter in chapters 1 and 2, the first two chapters of, uh, of Colossians. He is really dealing with some theology and he's, he reminds the church at Colossae that Jesus is enough. He, he really spends two chapters talking about the supremacy and the preeminence of Christ. Chapters 1 and 2 is the theology. And then chapters 3 and 4 as he transitions here as we're seeing, he begins to take that theology and make it practical. And let me just say this as we move on. You can have all the theology in the world. You can sit in coffee shops and argue it till you're blue in the face. If it doesn't affect your life, you're wasting your time. So Paul starts out chapters 1 and 2. Jesus is first. Jesus is better. Jesus is preeminent. Jesus is the greatest. Jesus always has been and always will be. He is God. Now that you have that church at Colossae, let me tell you how to live the Christ-centered life. He goes through chapters 3 and 4 and he tells them how to have a Christ-centered life and a Christ-centered home. He deals specifically with the family. He deals specifically with the church. He deals specifically with the Christian in the workplace. He deals with all these things that makes a Christian a Christ-centered Christian. But here in chapter number 3, he begins the transition from taking the theology and living it out on the daily basis. And let's dive into our text, and I want you to show you just a few things that I believe can help us from the Word of God. And I want to propose a question to you as we begin to work through these four, four, four verses. I want you to ask yourself this question maybe tonight. What is it in your life right now that you are living for? Someone were to ask you, what are you living for? Maybe put it this way. What is it tonight that you are seeking? What is it tonight that you are focused on? What is it that you are affectionate about? What is it tonight that makes you wake up in the morning? Maybe put it this way. What is it that you are chasing after? In our text tonight, we're going to see just a few things. We're going to work through the text, and I just want to give you three things to take home tonight. Look at verse number one. Think about those questions as we begin to work through the Word of God. Look at verse number 1, chapter number 3, verse number 1 says this, If ye then be risen with Christ. So he starts out by addressing the church. After he's told them Jesus is better, Jesus is enough, if then ye've been saved by the grace of God. And aren't you thankful tonight? If you've been saved by the grace of God, you've got a reason to sing, reason to shout. All right, so he said, if you are a believer, if you are a follower of Jesus, there's some things that you need to do. And look what he starts out as he's going to this practical thing. Look what he says. Seek, are you, you see this? Those things which are above. So he says, seek these things which are above. So what are those things? What is he specifically talking about? Well, he answers the question, what, what he's talking about here in verse 1. Look at it. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. So he says, seek those things. Seek that, those things where Christ sitteth. Those things which are above. Ephesians chapter 1 verse number 20. He said it this way to the Ephesian church. He said, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. So what, he's, what this carries the idea is this. Seek those heavenly things. Seek those things which are above. Look at verse number 2. Verse number two, set you, so no, first of all, he says, seek those things. And look what he says in verse two. Set your affections on things above. 
not on things of this earth. So he says, not only seek those things and chase after those things and look for those things, but then he says, set your affections on things above, not on earth. By the way, it's easy to get wrapped up in this earth, isn't it? And it's easy to get comfortable in this world. So he says, seek the things that are above, set your affections on things that are above. Look at verse number 3. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. As those who are in Christ, we have been united with Him in His death and His resurrection. Understand tonight, if you are saved by the grace of God, we are in Him. Because of our union with Christ, He lives in us and through us. We died with Him, and now our lives are His. Therefore, everything we do in our lives, listen, should be a reflection of His life and our identity those things we seek, and those things that we love in Him. Galatians 2.20, you may know it. Paul said it this way. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ that liveth in me. And the life, listen, which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Look at verse number 4. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear... Then shall ye also appear with him in glory. So he transitions here again and he says this, even though we have been given a new position in Christ, we are still constrained, guess what? By the flesh. But aren't you thankful tonight that that is only temporary? One day Christ will return is what he's saying here. And we will be with him in glory. 1 Corinthians, as Paul was writing to that Corinthian church, he said this in 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, and I love this. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead in Christ shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall put on incorruption, and this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written. And listen, O death, and this is what separates us from the world tonight. Where is our sting And, O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. So here's the sermon tonight as we think about that. He says this. He says, seek those things which are above. He says, set your heart, your affections, those things you love on those things that are above. Above, Because there's coming a day when we're going to see Him in glory and when this world isn't going to matter anymore. What He's teaching us in chapters 1 and 2 is because Christ is supreme, because Christ is first, because Christ is sovereign, it should affect chapters 3 and 4, our daily living. Every day of our life should be different because of what, because He always has been and always will be. Because of who He is, it should change our life. It's not religion that changes our life tonight. It's the grace and the love of Jesus Christ. It's understanding who He is and what He's done. We do right tonight, not because we're scared, because if we're saved by the grace of God, listen, our debt has been paid. When He looks at us, His righteousness has been imputed to us. He sees His Son. We do right tonight simply because we understand what He's done for us. It's totally different. 
It's not a guilt-driven thing. It's when we understand the depth of His love for us. It should cause us, listen, to seek and to set our affections because we're going to see Him again one day. I want to give you three things tonight that we need to look at if we're going to live this Christ-centered life that He's talking about. Chapters 1 and 2, the theology, listen, He's first, always has been, He's supreme and is preeminent. Chapters 3 and 4, living, taking that theology of who He is and living every day. So I want to just, we proposed a question, right, at the beginning. What are you seeking? What are you living for? I want to encourage you tonight, first of all, to check your heart and just ask that question. What is it tonight that I'm seeking? What is it tonight that I'm looking for? What do you long for in your life? What do you desire? What are you chasing? You remember when Jesus was preaching in Matthew chapter number 6, verse number 33, He said this, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and all His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. We, we have that memorized. A lot of times, though, we'll read a verse like that and we won't even see what these things are. Do you know what things he's talking about? Let me read the verses leading up to it. What things is he talking about? Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast in the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. I wonder how often we're seeking all of those things, not realizing that He's already prepared them and He's already got them for us. Man, we'll waste our lives living for those things. When God's already promised that He's going to provide them. Paul said in Philippians chapter number 3, not as though I'd already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore as many be perfect, be thus minded. And if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained. Listen, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. And you know what that same thing is? It's living our lives with our affections on those things above. Are we seeking... This kingdom or His kingdom? What is it that I desire most? What is it that I'm seeking? I mean, seek means to search or to dig. Listen, we should be seeking and digging and looking for those things above, those heavenly things, those eternal things. 1 Timothy 6, 6 and 7, But godliness with contentment is great grain. Think about this, for we brought nothing into this world and we certainly can carry nothing out. I just want to ask you as we move on through this text and think about this practically tonight, what is it tonight that you are living for? Think about that sometimes in my life. You know, all the money in the world isn't going to make you happy. Now, I don't buy a bass boat. Somebody help me tonight. But it's not going to buy peace. It's not going to buy contentment. It's not going to buy a better marriage. It's not going to make you happy. We think that we just have a little bit more sometimes, don't we? 
man, we, we just, can I just tell you more, more problems is what you're going to have. More issues. Man, there's nothing wrong with having money. God knows I need some more. Praise the Lord. But if that's our main focus, can I just tell you where that leads to? Misery. I've had millionaires, Brother Steve, sit across my desk who didn't have a care in the world financially. Miserable. Because you know why? The only thing that's going to bring the follower of Jesus contentment in this nasty world, listen, is seeking those things which are above. Setting your affections on things that are above. So what am I seeking? The second question I would just, check your heart, what are you seeking? And maybe check this, check your mind. What is it that you're focused on? What is it that you're focused on tonight? Some, you ever met somebody who's just negative all the time? They're focused on the negative? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like you could, be, you could have a church service like this on a Tuesday night and it's packed out. I mean, this is, y'all realize this ain't happening everywhere. And it's like we, can, we go home, we complain because we're focused on the wrong thing. Sometimes as Christians, can we just talk and just be really blunt, honest? Because... I know how this goes. I preach somewhere pretty much every week. And I can, there's certain things I can say tonight and we can shout it out and swing from the chandeliers tonight. You know what most of the time those are? Those are things that are problems outside these doors. Like if I start preaching on what's going on in the world and if I get a little political, you know, we'll all start cheering. But you know, I believe the problem, if we're going to see revival, it ain't going to be out there that gets fixed. It's going to be in here that gets fixed. And what is it you're focused on? See, we can be so negative. Oh, I can't believe, preacher, I can't believe what's going on out there. I hear it all the time. I can't, preacher, I can't believe. Man, God's coming back tomorrow. I can't believe all this stuff. And listen, I get fired up about it. I'm a right wing. I mean, all that. I, but listen, I had, to come, I had to come to a point where I realized, and do you all realize this tonight? Before we get all negative and Debbie Downer, God is still on the throne. Last time I checked, nothing that's happened in this world surprises Him. But how come as Christians sometimes we're running around, oh my goodness, the sky is falling. No, it's not. He's coming back. It don't surprise. It got, I, hear, I get tired of hearing it. Everybody's so doomsday. And I listen, I, I'd like to go back to 1989 too. Somebody help me. I would, trust me. I'd love to go back there, but we ain't going back. These are great days to serve the Lord. But you know, it was so bad one time in this world that God killed everybody but one family. Huh? And some of you decorate your nurseries with that mess. Noah's Ark. Oh, how cute is this? Everybody dies but these people. Let's put it in our, you know, let's decorate our nursery with this thing. Do you all have that in the nursery here? Okay, praise God. I said that at one place one time, and you could see her like four rows back. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, man, it was not good. But you guys see what I'm saying? Can I just remind you all, it's always been bad. Ever since Genesis chapter number 3, since the fall of man, listen, it's always been bad. But here's the good news of the glorious gospel. That what separates us from the rest of the world is we have a different perception because we're in Christ. And we realize that, hey, no matter how bad it gets on this earth, there's coming a day when He's going to make everything that's wrong here right. Listen, we're living for that day. And that's what He's saying. He says, number one, check, check your affections, man. Check your heart. Check, check your mind. And then thirdly, here's a simple point. This is the sermon tonight. Don't forget, we need to check our hearts, we need to check our minds, but never forget we're checking out of here. I believe that tonight. 
Hey, I believe with everything that's in me that there's coming a day when everything that's wrong in this world, there's coming a day when our Savior, whether through, through death on our end or through the rapture of Jesus Christ, we're going to see Him face to face again one day. Listen, we've got to get back to the point where as Christians, we live with joy, we live with life, and we understand that God is still good and we've got a reason to sing. If all He's ever done is save my sorry soul tonight, I've got a reason to sing the goodness of God tonight. Listen, we're checking out of here. James chapter 4 says this, and I want us to think about this tonight. It says this, Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? What a question there, huh? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time, then it vanisheth away. That's real to me, Brother Steve. I mean, I've watched family members that I thought, thought would still be here and they're gone. Preached a funeral just last week for a six-year-old little boy. Two weeks ago. Six-year-old little boy. And then I preached them for people who lived good lives. I preached, listen, none of us are promised tomorrow. None of us are. You know, when you start thinking about that, when I start thinking about it, you know what I'm reminded of? Y'all listen to me. There's a whole lot of things that don't matter. That we run around worrying about. Some of us, we go to church. I'm just, I'm just talking to us tonight. I'm going to try and be encouraging. I just want to help you. Some of us tonight, we are so worried about some things. And I realize that life is, listen, I've been through some stuff. I realize that life's hard sometimes. And, man, relationships can be tough and life can be hard. Man, but some of us go through life and we don't even stop and think, man, that God... Listen, he's real. He's really there. He's, he's not intangible. He wants to hear from you. As Brother Jimmy said earlier, First Peter 5, cast all your cares on him because he really does care for you tonight. But can I just tell you, our life tomorrow, none of us are promised tomorrow. I mean, that's a sobering thought when I start thinking about what is my life. Knowing that today could have been the last day that I breathe and I breathe. Man, today could be the last day. Verse number four even says that there's coming a day we're going to be with Him in glory. We don't know what that day is. And that, when I start thinking about that, what are you living for? I mean, that's a, that's a humbling question. Man, I don't want to get to the end of my life. Look back and see, I wasted. I don't want to have a wasted life. I tell our church, I said, I ain't lying at your funeral. Somebody help me tonight. You ever been to one of those and the preacher gets up there? Oh, man, he was the best Christian I ever knew. You're back there. No, wait, what? That, 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 that ain't the same guy I knew. Now, I ain't going to get up and run him down either, but you see what I'm saying? I preached my daddy's funeral four years ago. I, I thank God that I had a family that lived it, and I didn't have to lie at his funeral. I could talk about, man, that he loved the Lord, and he lived his life for the Lord. And, man, God, listen, I thank God for that. But here's my challenge for you tonight, and I know this. Just what are you living for? Every day, tomorrow morning when you wake up, what is it that makes you tick? Is your theology that he is supreme, that he is preeminent, so that it moves you to allow him to be that in your life? You see what I'm saying? There's many of us, and I've been this way before, that come into church, we sing the songs, we lift our hands, we go to the altar and weep, but yet God's not first in our life. We're not setting our affections on those things. I grew up, in that world with them old-fashioned preachers. I'm talking about when they're preaching, Brother Steve, kind of like your daddy. When I hear him preach, it's like his fingers in my face. Y'all know what I'm talking about? That's what I grew up on. And I went to, uh, I used to go to church camp. How many of y'all grew up going to church camp? Any of y'all? 
Y'all know what I'm talking about? We used to go to church camp. Man, I'll go to church camp. And listen, we go to church camp. I love church camp. But some of them preachers were just mean. I mean, I, I felt like I was getting hit by a Mack truck every service. I'm like, why is he yelling at me the entire time? Is anybody else, you know what I'm talking about? And by the, you know, they preach all, on everything in the world. And the one thing we'd always hear preaching on, little Jonathan, is worldliness. We should hear those sermons on worldliness. And I, man, they'd be, they'd have me scared to death. Because the more I thought about it, I've, I was worldly. <laughs> and they preach on worldliness. Man, they start preaching on that music. And man, they start, they would start, they'd start on old brother Garth. And I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, man, I got one of them CDs and I got one of them in the cabin. <laughs> then they get on, and then they really took it to some bad places. George, they, Brother George, you know who I'm talking about. Don't act like you don't know who I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, two of them. They start preaching on Brother George, George Strait. And then we get to Friday night. Brother Gary, you know what I'm talking about. Friday night, you know what's coming. They'd have this bonfire. And if you weren't going to be worldly... Guess what you were going to do? And man, it took, man, the Holy Spirit of God was all over me. <laughs> I took that brother George, took that brother Garth, and then y'all are going to crucify me on this one. I've been married for 21 years. I used to sing that boys to men to my wife back in the day when we were dating Steve. Hi, <laughs> Kenya. What's up, baby? You know what I'm talking about. And man, they, that boys to men, I took it there on that Friday night because I didn't want to be worldly. And I, we walked over to that fire and I tossed that stuff in there. I remember, Brother Jimmy, that green smoke started coming off of it. And those preachers, man, that's the demons coming out of that fire. Praise God. <laughs> y'all know, some of y'all been to those meetings. Y'all remember what it was like. Well, then church would come around Sunday. We'd get home from camp. I didn't want to be worldly. We'd come home from camp. We'd be on fire for God because we were sincere in the decisions we made. Really were. We were truly sincere. Go to church, we'd have a great service. Monday morning would roll around, it's time to go to school. I'd be headed to Old Temple Christian Academy in Louisville, Texas. And that 86 Chevy, short wheel, oh, headed, I was missing something. The cathedrals were not cutting it. So I ended up, I'd be on the way to school, and that truck would slide right into Walmarts. I was buying them CDs again. And some of y'all know what I'm talking about. I went through that process for years of my life. Getting rid of it, going back and forth. Getting rid of it, I don't want to be worldly. I do this, I make this decision. I get all emotional, I do all these things until I realized something when it came to worldliness, what he was talking about, what real worldliness is. You see, that's not what, what worldliness is, is where some of us are. Let me tell you what it is. It's when we're living for this world instead of living for another world. You see, if we get to a point in our life where it's not about the religious acts, where it's not about any of that stuff, it's not about the rules, it's not about this thing, but we understand that there's a land that's fairer than day and we're going to see our Savior and our King. Theology, chapter 1 and 2, guess what it's going to affect? The way we live, chapters 3 and 4. I wonder how many of us tonight think about this. We're, we're just as worldly as we were when we started going to teen camp. 20 and 30 years ago. Because we've tried to do all these rules, all these regulations. We're miserable because we've never accepted the fact that we're supposed to just be simply seeking those things above. We're supposed to love them. We're supposed to understand that there really is coming a day that we are checking out of here. I'm reminded tonight about our purpose. 
You know what our purpose is tonight? What your purpose? I can tell you what the, God's purpose for your life is. You know what it is? It's to live your life for His glory. Whatever that looks like for you. It's to live your life in light of who He is and for His glory. Isaiah 43, the prophet said this, Even everyone that is called by my name, I have created him for my glory. I have formed him. I have made him. He created you for His glory. Say, preacher, what does that mean? That means what you're going through here in this world is for His glory eternally. Can I just say this tonight? If you're going through, you know what, here on this earth, listen, the reason that we're different is because we respond here on this earth to the problems and to the pain and to the suffering differently than the world does because it's for His glory tonight. If God's given you cancer, and I don't mean to belittle it tonight, but hey, take that cancer and don't waste it. Use it for His glory tonight. Hey, if He's given you pain and He's given you heartache, hey, don't waste it. Use it for His glory tonight. It's a gift from God for His glory tonight. Listen, that's your purpose tonight. Maybe I need to be reminded of a purpose. Maybe this one. If I'm going to live for another world, maybe I need to reorganize my priorities. Luke 12, 34. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You can tell a lot about a person just by their schedule. Man, do I need to reorganize some priorities tonight? Maybe this one. Lastly, and I just I want to just talk talk about this, and then we'll be done, done. Maybe just a simple realization that this world isn't the end for us. It's not our home. First John two says this: Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, listen, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. I mean, this ought to hit a lot of us right between the eyes. It does for me. The pride of life is not of the Father, but it's of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God, guess what? Lives for another world. He abideth forever. Listen, I just want to encourage you tonight with this, and we're done. Are you living for this world? Are your affections here? Are they tethered here? Or are you living for another world? Brother Steve, I was reading a few weeks ago, Revelation 20 and 21. And I don't know if you know those two passages, those two chapters, but it's awesome if you go to read it. Man, it's about heaven. It's about our eternity. And I know this may sound old-fashioned and not popular preaching. I don't care. There's two choices, heaven and hell. When I start reading about heaven, man, I start longing for it. I start thinking about it. And I'm only 42 years old, but I'm just telling you, I've had so many family members go. I've seen God. I mean, I, I honestly cannot wait for heaven. Or even Revelations 20 and 21, there's some, there's some reasons that I can't wait, Brother Steve. First, one, first reasons are this, because what's not there. You ever think about that? If you go read Revelation chapter number 20, there's some things that aren't there. Listen. Can I just remind y'all tonight that our eternal home, sometimes it's good for us just to glimpse into it for just a minute. It's a place where there's no more pain. There's no more health issues. Uh-huh. There's no more suffering. How about this one? There's no more sin. Not everybody else's sin. I don't have to, oh my goodness. I don't have to deal with my sin anymore. Some of our Pharisees still need to shake it off tonight. I, when we get there, y'all listen to me. You don't have to fight with that flesh that you have no more. It's gone. You are, when you see Him, you shall be like Him, for you shall see Him as He is. You don't got to deal with it anymore, man. 
No more sin, no more pain, no more hospital visits. Man, I, I watched my daddy for six months die in that hospital fighting head and mouth cancer. Man, I remember weeping and praying. No more hospital visits. No more funerals. Y'all listen to me. No, no grave digger's shovels ever marred a hill in glory. Listen, there's coming a day when there's no wreaths of death on my mansion door. I'm just telling you, none of that's there. And I long for heaven because of that. And I long for it because of what is there. You ever read it? You ever read the back of the book? Man, there's, there's a street of gold. I believe, that's, I believe that's literal. Don't believe all this new stuff that, oh, it's this thing and it's already happened and this thing. No, there is a street of gold that we're going to step on. I'm going to slide down that joker one day. Somebody help me know. Listen, I, we're going to see it. There's a gate of pearl we're going to walk through. Pearl. One pearl, I believe. We're going to walk right through it. I mean, there's, there's those 12 trees with the 12, uh, manner, the 12 manners of fruit for the healing of the nations. I mean, that river of life that runs through there. I can't wait to see all that stuff. I mean, I long for heaven because of what's not there. I long for heaven because what is there. But this is my favorite one. Y'all have heard it. Old timers used to preach it all the time. I long for heaven because who is there? I mean, I remember the first funeral I ever preached as a 20-something-year-old preacher. It was my grandmama. Godly woman. She was one of the women in North Texas. She'd cuss at you one minute and quote a Bible verse at you the next. Praise God. Some of y'all have one like that. Yeah, yeah, y'all never been to Texas. <laughs> see, Grandma, I get to see her again. My, my daddy, who, man, fought a godly man, I'll see him again. I can't wait to see some of those Bible characters. They're not characters, they're people. Okay, Adam, what was wrong with you, man? You know? Talk to David. I want to hear some of those stories. Going through that stuff and how God's grace led him to repentance. Man, gosh, Elijah and Elisha. Elisha, as he's sitting under that juniper tree, man, just hearing about how God sent that angel. Remember, y'all remember the story? Man, God sent that angel to revival. Man, go to see Paul. Man, all that stuff, that terrorist, by the way, who was saved by the grace of God. We forget that sometimes. Man, go see, uh, I don't know if you know this, but Tychicus and Onesimus were delivering this letter. Colossi to the church of Colossians. Onesimus, who was a, uh, the book of Philemon was written about him to Philemon by Paul. I can't wait to talk about all that stuff. Find it all out. See those people, those loved ones that have gone on before. See grandma, see daddy, brother Jimmy, but there, there's one that we must be reminded every single day that we're going to see that's greater than grandma. Y'all listen to me tonight. That's greater than daddy. That's greater, the word of God says this, that's greater than Adam. I'm talking about the second Adam tonight. Listen, one that's greater, that's Colossians chapter 1 and 2, the one that's preeminent, the one that's first, the one that always has been and always will be. Maybe put it this way tonight, Brother Jimmy, the one that knows everything about me, knows everything that's in here, knows everything that's in here, knows every wicked deed, knows every problem, knows all the bitterness, knows what I'm going through right now here on this earth, Brother Gary, knows the hate and the pain and the things that you struggle with, even as a church member tonight. But He loves you anyway. Listen, God commended His love toward you in that while we were yet Sinners. Christ died for us tonight. Sometimes we forget the deepness in our depravity and the deepness of His love tonight. He knows all. We are going to see Him again one day. The one that I can't make me love any less or any more. That's what Paul's saying. Set your affections on Him. Set your affections. Man, set your purpose. Think about that daily. If we did, wouldn't y'all agree that if we really woke up every day, maybe started our day like this, oh God, Thank you 
for saving me. Oh God, I don't deserve it. Oh God, I don't deserve your love. I don't deserve your grace. I don't deserve your mercy. And by the way, if you think you do, you are so... I'm just telling you, I know I don't. Man, it's easy when you start thinking about who we are, who He is, and what He's done. Sometimes it's really easy to step back and just say, thank you, Lord. I wonder how many of us tonight, the piano player can come. I don't know how y'all do the invitation, but I want you to think about this. I wonder how many of us tonight just need to decide, you know what, I've been going to church for years. I've preached sermons. I've taught Sunday school classes. I've sang in choirs. I've gave to the church. I've done a lot of religious things. But preacher, I don't know that I've been living for that other world. I don't know that I've been thinking about it. And I don't know that I wake up daily understanding that today could be the last day that I live here on this earth. And I'm going to decide maybe even today that, you know what? Maybe I should start seeking those things. Maybe I should start setting my heart on those things. Because there's coming a day. Oh, I'm going to see my King. I'm going to see my Savior. And I'm going to see my Lord. Let's pray together.